Okay, and welcome to another edition of Two Sober Dicks. (laughs) Chicks without dicks. I'm Lisa, one of your two hosts on Two Sober Chicks, and today I have two very special guests with me once again. I have my sponsee, Sarah, and her sponsee, Judy. Welcome, ladies. Thank you very much for joining us. This is cool. We are um, trying something new on Skype so I can see you guys, which is kind of cool. Because normally when you do a podcast, unless you're with somebody, you can't see them. So I get to see both of you and we're all in different places because it is COVID and we are following protocols. Um, What were we supposed to do this week, ladies? What did we have scheduled? In terms of what? A beautiful vacation at Judy's cottage, but Lisa follows <gasps> protocols. Yes. And so we canceled our trip because we are all from different households. And the new rules in lockdown are we can't go visit each other. Um, it used to be the bubble. Th- this, this is where it can get confusing, right? It used to be if you had your 10 people in your bubble and you guys were in my 10 because I have a very small bubble. I had my parents and then I had like three or four of my close friends and that was it. But now the new rule, because we're in gray, we're in severe lockdown mode in the city of Toronto, is we can't get together with um, people outside of our immediate household. Even I can't go see my parents at Christmas time. Um, So I thought, well, if I can't go see my parents at Christmas time, then I can't get together with two of my closest and dearest friends. So we're following protocol and we're doing this via Skype today. And we thought it would be fun to um, do a little bit more of the Tebow papers. So this is something that I read with my other friend, Karen the act of surrender in the therapeutic process. And we missed this the other day. We did part two. So we're going back a little bit and we're starting. So I will just read a little bit. Um, You guys can either throw up the hand so I can see it and I'll stop talking and you can jump in with any thoughts that you have. Or I'll just read a paragraph or two and then stop and you can tell me what you think. So the act of surrender in the therapeutic process by Harry M. Tebow, M.D. This is the introduction, the importance of a positive attitude. So this is taken from one of his psychological papers. A year and a half ago, I wrote a paper in which I discussed a phenomenon which I labeled conversion. In that paper, I broadened the concept of conversion to cover any major switch from negative to positive thinking and feeling irrespective of a possible religious component. Two points stood out to me as important. First, the fact that the positive frame of mind could appear under a given set of circumstances without special help, psychiatric or otherwise. And second, that the new state of mind had a decidedly healthier tone to its thinking and feeling than that which prevailed when the negative tone was uppermost. Without saying so, I then believed that the positive frame of mind could become a legitimate aim in therapy as, once it was brought about, the individual's attitudes and responses were much healthier. Any thoughts so far? Shall I continue? I couldn't agree more. I think always catching the mind, um, any thoughts, thinking involves time. So it's either past or future catch that and be present it's positive thinking for me what jumped out was the fact that this is a medical professional a a psychologist who's talking about the fact that um uh, these changes from negative to positive thinking and feeling can happen um regardless of whether you have religion or you don't 
or regardless of whether or not you're actually seeking psychiatric help or you're not, that it's just about that change. If you go through that change, you can go through it on your own. Um, we've come to it, I think, through um, speaking and, and talking with other people who had the same alcoholic problem that we did. Um, and through that, we saw something in those people that they had that we wanted. So we were willing to do some of the things that they suggested. Okay, I'll continue on. Well, I no longer believe that therapy is simply a matter of reaching a positive relationship with reality. I remain convinced that the creation of a positive attitude is one of the essential features in a successful therapeutic program, and that any experience that brings about such an attitude or frame of mind deserves careful study for the light it may throw on treatment in general. Consequently, I continued my observations on the conversion experience and have arrived at the conclusion that the key to an understanding of that experience may be found in the act of surrender, which in my opinion sets in motion the conversion switch. My paper will therefore consist of one, a discussion of the act of surrender and two, an endeavor to relate it to the therapeutic process as a whole. Before I go ahead, it may be wise to recapitulate the contents of my previous paper. In it, I described how the conversion switch, many aspects of the patient's attitudes, underwent profound and often remarkable alterations. I pointed out how in eight major ways, the individual switched or changed. Rather than go through the whole list again, I can sum up these changes briefly by saying that the person who has achieved the positive frame of mind has lost his or her tense, aggressive, demanding, conscious-ridden self that feels isolated and at odds with the world and has become a relaxed, natural, more realistic individual who can dwell in the world on a live-and-let-live basis. The difference in the before and after state of these people is very real and represents, I believe, a fundamental psychic occurrence. Well, there's a lot in there, too. Who wants to start? I'll start. So I, I agree that um, you need to have a positive attitude in order to affect change. Um, because a positive attitude suggests that as part of a positive attitude, you have an open mind. Um, what I'm a little confused on is his description of a positive attitude and uh, the fact that Thibault says that we need a positive attitude in order to surrender. Um, within the rooms of AA, surrender means letting go of our ego and recognizing, acknowledging that there is a power greater than ourselves. And I don't think a positive attitude necessarily can necessarily be equated with um, recognizing or being able to recognize that there's a power greater than ourselves. I can be positive about something and still be stuck completely in ego. So I'm a little confused by what I'm hearing, and maybe I'm not hearing it all properly. But for me, if we're talking about surrender, we're talking about the belief, the trust in a power greater than ourselves. Um, and 
that for me is the key. Anybody else want to comment on that? So I, I just like to say the 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 willingness necessarily it would maybe be just the positive attitude, just having the willingness um, change in perception, not like yay happy positive. What's your thought, Lee? Mm. But what what does Tebow? Can you go back, Lise, and and yep. give the definition that Tebow gives of positive attitude? Because I don't hear anything. About... I don't hear hear anything in there about a higher power, a power greater than himself. Are you talking about this line? I can sum up these changes briefly by saying that the person who has achieved the positive frame of mind, that one, yeah, has lost his or her tense, aggressive, demanding conscious ridden self that feels isolated and at odds with the world and has become a relaxed, natural, more realistic individual who can dwell in the world on a live and let live basis. Right. So how, how, yes, but he doesn't talk there about, he, he talks about a negative attitude and characteristics of a negative attitude and then a positive attitude and characteristics of a positive attitude. But he doesn't talk about the construct or the conduit um, that was used to go from a negative attitude to a positive attitude. And my understanding is that what we need to go from a negative attitude to a positive attitude is to enlist recognize that there's a power greater than ourselves and then enlist that power's help mm. in breaking down or minimizing those negative things that we in AA call character defects. Keep in mind too, when this was written in like 1940s, I have to look up the actual date. Um, and he's a, he's a scientific person of medicine. Um, it would be difficult for him, I think, to talk about, um, a higher power or a spiritual presence, although he does acknowledge that a couple times throughout the reading. And I believe when he says um, the key to understanding of that experience may be found in the act of surrender, which in my opinion, his opinion, sets in motion the conversion switch. A discussion of the act of surrender, which is what he's going to be discussing, and an endeavor to relate it to the therapeutic process as a whole, which is what this paper is all about. Um, and I think the act of surrender um, is that um, willingness, is becoming willing. It's a it's a process. For me, it was a slow process. It wasn't an instantaneous process, and it wasn't an overnight process. Um, it was a gradual coming to and awakening of. My surrender was definitely gradual um, and willing. Agreed. Agreed. And so are you saying then that the willingness is to change those negative behaviors into positive ones. Ones is that what the surrender is? For or me, the I beginning think... or the beginning of the surrender? Yeah, the beginning of the surrender starts with willingness. Okay. Yeah, I agree and, with that. I agree and, with that 100%. The beginning of surrender starts with willingness. Yeah. And I think Judy for me personally, I think surrender is a daily choice. Yes. Because my ego, um, my self-will, will creep in every day, yes. time and time again. Um, so surrender for me is a daily act, not just a slow and gradual process, but a daily act. Um, but I can't surrender if I'm not willing to look at it. Agreed. Um, and then 
I like that what he says about um, he can sum up these changes briefly. So the changes are um, the tense, aggressive, demanding, conscious ridden self. That to me, excuse me, that sums up ego. That is us in our ego because we're thinking about ourselves. Um, we're thinking about what we want, what we need, and how other people shouldn't, uh, would if they would only behave the way we want them to, then things would go better for us and we'd be happier. And that makes us feel isolated and at odds with the world. We go from being that type of person to, in doing these the steps that are suggested of us in Alcoholics Anonymous, we become this other person that becomes more relaxed, more natural, and I like this line, more realistic. Mm-hmm. I have definitely become a more realistic individual. And what that means to me today is um, I am someone who accepts life on life's terms. I like that live and let live basis. Yep. Um, I I am reminded that I'm not in control of how other people behave, how they act. I'm only in control of my reactions and whether or not I choose to have them. Or sometimes I have them involuntarily because I can't help myself. <laughs> And then how am I going to clean up the wreckage of what I've just created, you know, the amends process. Um, And I'm not isolated anymore. And I'm not at odds with the entire world, which I can honestly say, as a human being, I definitely was. I always felt like things were not working out the way I wanted them to. Things were not working out for Lisa. That's right. Lisa's will versus God's will. Mm-hmm. And we've we've talked about this before. What were you going to say, Sarah? I saw you smile. Were you going to say something? I was just in, enjoying that, how, um, you know, the whole paradox is to be independent, is to be dependent and on a spirit, energy, any, you know, something other than ourselves. So thy will, not mine, be done. And how people don't behave the way we want them to is the number one thing, right? And uh, Judy and I were chatting this week about how basically our mind is just like we're a journalist. We go into every situation, typically with the same characters, maybe same scenery, same stage as the big book references. And we make a report. And if we go in as a reporter knowing that we're going to take inventory, we change our perception already. But if we go in with old habitual thought patterns, um, no one's going to behave the way we want them to. So I was just smiling at Judy's in our revelation this week. Maybe yeah. well, we could expand And as that. as Carl says, because Sarah's not getting what Sarah wants. <laughs> and yeah. the whole uh, reporter thing, going in to report on a story, we can see something that we don't like or that we don't agree with. But if we recognize that we're just reporting on it, we're not the characters, we're not the director. We're just looking from the outside in, and it's okay to say, this play really sucks. Um, because there's no emotion attached to it. We're not, we're not emotionally attached because we're not directing it, and we're not characters in it. So it's, it's, it's basically looking at it from the outside in and um, going in with neutral emotions. Mm. 
And that's really hard to do. Even you, you've, you two have um, stumbled on this phrase or you've coined this phrase about being the reporter, which I've never looked at it that way before. But if you look at reporting today, what do you have? You have people who are reporting based on their own personal bias, right? Mm-hmm. It's You can't help. You're a human being. Everybody has bias. There's going to be people who are that's more the self-talk. The self-talk is the bias, the saboteur yeah. in our brain. Yeah, but it's it's true. Everybody has bias. And that's why it's okay as the reporter to report this play really sucks. I don't like it. And that's fine. We don't like, have to a, like a, a, everything Eckhart we see. Says, yeah, Eckhart says what we resist persists. So identify it I don't love this this too shall pass not last forever and let it go so basically by saying this play sucks and walking away from it we're not resisting it anymore we're acknowledging we're validating our thoughts because those are our thoughts mm-hmm. um, and it's okay to validate your thoughts as long as you can recognize it as, you know, this is my opinion. This is my thought. doesn't necessarily have to be your thought or Sarah's thought, but it's my thought. I'm not enjoying this play. And so I'm not going to see it a second time. Yeah. I still think it's important, though, to be mindful of that that way of thinking. I might... um, I'm trying to think of how I could relate this to my own life. Like, I might not like a certain situation... Um, but if my constant response is just to say, I don't like this and therefore I'm going to remove myself from it, then I am sitting constantly in judgment and maybe I'm not sitting in the live and let live. Um, well, I, the way I was looking at it was it was okay for me to say, and, and I'll use a real life example because we all know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, this, this family member, I, I don't like the way this family member behaves. It's, it's, um, the behavior is something that I'm not comfortable with and that's okay. That's okay. I don't have to be comfortable with everybody and everything, but by acknowledging to myself that that's okay, I can therefore, um, get out of self and say, you know what, I don't have to like this. It's only going to last. This this meeting is only going to last for an hour. It's, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's as Sarah says, this too shall pass. Um, I don't have to do work on myself to turn that around so that I do like what this person is doing. And because it's it's part of I wouldn't say my value system, but it's it's part of um, what I see behaviors to be as either right or wrong. So if somebody is acting in a way that I'm not comfortable with because it's the way I grew up, um, then it's okay for me to say, you know what, like I, in, 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 in my view, this is not the right way to do it. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right way for everybody. Just for me, for me, it, 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 
it's it's like nails on a chalkboard. I don't like the sound of it. Yeah. But it's good um, not to react. Um, you, you can accept that you don't like someone else's behavior, but learning how not to react so strongly is a good thing. It helps us be absolutely. as more realistic, uh, an individual, more realistic in the world. Um, absolutely. Like and when you're driving and there's traffic or you're on the subway and someone's acting out, is it our place to correct and to point out? It's like, this will pass. I can report right, yeah. on it and go, that's interesting. But it doesn't yep. have to consume me and I don't have to be emotionally right. invested. I don't have so, to. Same thing. The one I think I was thinking of was um, an AA meeting. If I don't like someone's behavior in an AA meeting, you know, I can choose to stand up and, and tell them what I think of that, which how's that going to go for me? Probably not well. I can choose to keep it to myself and let it go. Mm-hmm. Or I can leave and go to a different meeting. But here's what I've learned because I've done all three. <laughs> <laughs> getting up in someone else's face, I'm directing their life. I'm telling them my, my business. You don't approve. Yes. Right. And that's, that's none of my business telling other people how to live their lives. Um, leaving a meeting, I'm sometimes missing out on all the other good things that are happening at that meeting. So it's that balance of finding that middle ground where it's like, yes, I can acknowledge it. I can say, Oh, I don't really care for that, but then try to direct my attention elsewhere and get whatever else I can from the meeting. Um, right. I think let's finish on whatever thoughts we have on that. We're at um, almost 21 minutes, so I'd like to end this podcast, and then we'll come back again and do another one with uh, more of the Tebow papers where he talks about the act of surrender. Any final thoughts on our share for today? All good? All right. Sarah, Judy, thanks a lot for joining me again today on Many Sober Chicks. Thanks, Lisa. All right, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. Blessings.